Hey guys, this is Tyler Padgett. I'm the lead pastor of the Courageous Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. And my hope is that this podcast encourages you, that it builds your faith, and that it pushes you to make a difference. You can join us in person on the weekends, Sundays at 9.30 and 11, at any one of our locations across the Ozarks. Check out our social media pages to find a campus near you. I believe you're listening today for a reason. Let's do this, turn up the volume, and let's go. This is a good day. We are talking about the values that make us unique here at the Courageous Church, and I am excited to talk about this last one, which is we are bold, not boring. Say that. We are bold, not boring. In honor of that, I wore my special preaching blouse this morning. Check this thing out. It is not silk, although it is very luxurious. Hey, it's going to be good. One of the things we do um, is try to get people connected to each other. And we work a lot to do that because our mission is courageously connecting people to Christ and community. Community is the people. And one of the big events for that that we're going to do this season is bold. Put it on the screen. Bold is a bowling event for men. It's on Saturday, February, Sunday, February 19th from 6 to 8 at Enterprise Lanes. Sign up online. It's just for men 18 and over. I want to see you there. It's a great way for you to know your church. It is not good for you to be a perpetual visitor. You need to know some people. Does that make sense? Otherwise, you're just kind of showing up and leaving, and that's not what God has intended for any of our lives, okay? You ready to do this? We are bold, not boring. We have four values that we live out. The first one is we put Jesus first. The second one is we are relationally intense. The third one is we seek to serve. Last one is we are bold, not boring. We sat around thinking of language that would make that make sense, and the best way I know how to tell you to do that is to just have a good time. Oh, that doesn't sound like it's very spiritual. Well, I know. And so we thought about that, like, and we prayed about that. And we decided that in order for people to have the kind of comfort needed to put down roots and grow, they had to feel so comfortable that they could fully express who they are. And when you get to know somebody, most people really aren't boring. People act boring to make themselves safe. But God doesn't call us, I mean, this whole thing, I'm looking for a safe space. I need this, I don't feel safe. Oh, makes me want to vomit. Not just vomit, projectile vomit, like a yard sprinkler. That kind of vomit, Northside. If you could imagine right now, me as a yard sprinkler just vomiting. Because like, God has not called us to just Live in safe spaces. The Bible says that the early church hazarded themselves for the sake of the gospel. Like, I don't know, it's going to be safe. Oh, my gosh. Not, stop it. Like, we are a church that has great expectation. God has done amazing things and is continuing to do amazing things in this house. That's why the beginning of 2021, I was preaching a lot about eyebrows up. Everybody put your eyebrows up right now. It's like... Are they up? It's dark out there. I can't see. Some of you need to do some plucking. I can't see that. You know, now that I've gotten older, on, my, on this side of my head, I have four rogue eyebrows. They grow six times as thick as the rest and seven times as fast. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, hang around because it's fixing to happen to you too. 
You gotta take care of those things. We have our eyebrows up because we expect God to do something. When Jesus is in the house, anything can happen. So because of that, we have great expectation. And we like it loud. Not loud like I'm hurting, but loud as in, hey, everybody here loves everybody and we're celebrating the fact that we have come together as the church. And how many of you know, good parties are not quiet parties. The whole invention of the silent disco is a new thing. There was no quiet partying before the silent disco. But it's not quiet to the people that are dancing. It's really funny to walk up on a silent, you know what a silent disco is, anybody seen that? Okay, they put on headphones and they all hear the same songs, which it's not loud. And so people will be like, singing with it and think they sound as good as the music, but they'll be like, the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. That's an old party song. Similar to Let Me Clear My Throat. You know what I'm talking about. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So bold, not boring means we like our church heavily seasoned. Like, have you been to somebody's house and they've got salt, pepper, and a crested over bottle of Mrs. Dash? Like, oh gosh, this is gonna be bland. <laughs> Nobody pays for bland in the Ozarks. There's one British restaurant. The rest of them have spiciness at some point. Like, we want a church that is heavily seasoned, a flavor for everyone, but the beauty of that is when you put all the flavors together, it, like, like Guy Fieri says, it's like a party in my mouth. Come on, somebody. You know the guy with the diners, drive-ins, and dives, the frosted tips, that guy? It's like, oh, it's a party in my mouth. Like, God wants the church to have people from different backgrounds walks of life, experiences, socioeconomic positions, races. He wants people to come together because of the blood of Christ. And it brings all this flavor to God's house. And when that flavor comes together like a gumbo or a good pot roast, if you're from Minnesota, or, or whatever it is that is, appeals to you, when those flavors come together, it produces something that's truly remarkable. And so we enjoy the party. We enjoy the house of God. It doesn't count more to God if you hate the church you go to. God's not like, well, they're, they're giving me that sacrifice of praise today. They hate it, but they're going anyway. Like that's not the intention. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. The, the, the Bible tells us in his presence, there's fullness of joy, and at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. It doesn't mean more to God if you go to church and hate it. He wants you to have a good time. We should be having a good time. We should enjoy living for the Lord because of his great mercy to us, because he's given us so many promises because of the family of God and how they encourage us, because of his assurance and protection and provision. There's a million reasons why we should be thankful and like David say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. There are no good quiet parties. If you could look at the courageous church as a party, 
I would want it to be something other than a bunch of stuffy people sipping tea, seated around a circle, clutching their pearls and laughing like this. <laughs> That's a nightmare situation for me. God wants our joy to be authentic and real, and God wants us to celebrate each other. You know my favorite part of any wedding party? Not the wedding itself, but a wedding party is when people circle up and somebody who's not accustomed to getting in the middle of the circle gets in the middle of the circle and starts doing, I can't do it, but doing the running man, and everybody hypes them up. Hey, hey, anybody know what I'm talking Everybody's so saved you spent your whole adolescence Bible quizzing, huh? No, seriously, when, when you are giving your, your, your energy to each other in a way that encourages one another, I think God is pleased. And so we don't worship each other, we worship him, but we support, we encourage, and we help one another because we are the body of Christ and we all work together and we're members in particular, the Bible says, and somebody say, yeah. Ha. And so we joyfully engage. We show up with expectation. We have a good time and we are not afraid of enthusiasm because most people are just bored and they're bored and boring because they withhold themselves. But the beauty of the church is expressed best when the soil is healthy, the roots are deep, the people feel the security and stability of belonging, and then they can fully express their redemptive call and personality for the glory of God and the good of all people. The kind of roots that are built in God's house. Come on, help me, Northside. The roots that are built in God's house allow for people to feel so comfortable they can offer uninhibited worship unto God from their heart and not worry about being judged by their past. We will not act like robots to protect ourselves from rejection and exposure to criticism. What if love was so genuine we could just have a good time? So the Bible says this in Romans 12 and 9. I think boldness is godly enthusiasm. Robert, Romans 12 and 9 says, let love be genuine. Let it be real. Look at your neighbor and say, I want to know what love is. And then go a little higher and say, and I want you to show me. I, I see a lack of participation from some. And I'm concerned. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Now, I have two sons that are brothers. And when they fight... They don't fight to the death. They fight as brothers, not as enemies. They fight as brothers, not as enemies. They're mad at each other and they want to fight. They really don't want to hurt each other because they're brothers. They fight when they fight. They have conflict when they have conflict as brothers and not as enemies. And so take from that what you will. The Bible says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Verse 11, don't be slothful in your zeal. Would you stop being boring and start being bold? 
Would you stop withholding the gift that you are from the body of Christ in order to protect yourself from, I have church hurt. Shut up. Stop saying church hurt. It is a lie from hell. People have hurt me. The church never hurt me. The church had, listen to me, I got something to say about this. I'm sick of hearing it. People say, I got church hurt, and the devil uses that to take them away from God's house forever, and the church is the thing, you say it hurts you, but it really is the thing that God will use to also heal you. And so I got grocery store hurt. I'm serious. I went to Murphy's in Willard, and some guy said something super rude to my children, and I wanted to punch him right there. I, I mean, you know, I had a grown man conversation. I stepped up, put my nose in his face and said, don't you ever say that to my children again. I got deeply offended at Murphins and Willard. And of course, when I walked out the door, I shook the dust off of my feet and now it's an apple market, so you make your own decisions about. <laughs> I'm teasing. But Murphins hurt me. I didn't stop going to the grocery store. And it wasn't Murphins, it was a dude, a bagging clerk, one with no authority. He just was, he was just stupid. And so don't put the church hurt label on what people have done. This is not in my notes, but somebody needs to hear it. Quit coddling yourself and saying, I'm a special flower that could never be, I need to change my tone of voice because I want you to hear it. You're not a special flower. You're not a delicate genius. You're just a human like everybody else and we're all going to be hurt. Your family hurts you, but you still long for family. The grocery store hurts you, but you still long for groceries. Understand something that you're gonna have hurt as you live your life and you can't blame an institution for hurt. Honey, remind me not to say that in the second service, okay? <laughs> the New Testament church really enjoyed what they were doing and they did it with fervor, with godly enthusiasm. The word, the word enthusiasm comes from two Greek words, in and theos, which is God. And so somehow it's like you're partnering with God, you're in God when you have enthusiasm. Does that make sense? Enthusiasm is a fragile thing. Put him on the screen, this is Charles Lindbergh. He piloted the spirit of St. Louis for the first time. He had the first uh, 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 inter-Atlantic, uh, uh, cross-Atlantic, cross-Atlantic flight ever. He flew from New York to, to Great Britain or something like that. First time ever, and it took enthusiasm and courage to do it. But I want you to understand something. Enthusiasm is a fragile thing. It can be destroyed very easily. And, and, and once he made that successful flight, he didn't do it on the way back because of the headwinds. He took a boat back, okay? So he did the trip, he accomplished it, but he took a boat home. And after several days on board a ship, he went out to the bridge during a severe storm. He watched it for a while and then said, I didn't know the sea was so big. I didn't know it was so vast. If anyone had told me, I wouldn't have tried it. I wouldn't have tried this flight if I would have known how treacherous and how difficult it really was. Understand something, that when we get an enthusiasm, it is a fragile thing, but it puts us close to the heart of God somehow. 
So part of being courageous is being in courage, being encouraging, right? Enthusiasm must be encouraged. Enthusiasm pulls you from the mediocre. It pulls you from the commonplace. It pulls you into a place of, 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 of hopefulness and faith. Like, I believe something good's gonna happen. I don't know if y'all were raised in the old church, but your boy was raised in the old church. And I've been here for 24 years and you're gonna catch this work right now. We sang this song. And we sang everything hillbilly, but it said like this. I just feel like something good. It don't clap when I do this, it embarrasses me. Let me snap. I just feel like something good is about to happen. Oh, I just feel like something good is on his way. He has promised that he'd open all of heaven. Oh, and brother, it could be this very day. And we sang that in the church. Are we gonna, don't clap, don't clap. I'm embarrassed already, stop. We would sing that song in the church and nobody said, well, that seems a tad unspiritual. <laughs> Having big expectation for God is not an unspiritual thing. Enthusiasm pulls us from the mediocre. Enthusiasm makes grown men stand and sing unto God. I'm talking about the, the, the joy of the Lord strengthening you to the point where you're not so concerned about what everybody thinks and grown men can stand and say, whatever song we were, the songs we were singing today, I've since forgotten since I'm preaching. But the, to sing the song out loud because enthusiasm does that. Enthusiasm will help you make friends. It'll help you make smiles. It lets everybody know that you've got something that isn't common out there. Enthusiasm is the inspiration that makes us awake and alive, okay? When was the last time you had genuine enthusiasm for something? Eugene Normandy was the conductor of the Philadelphia Philharmonic Orchestra. And he was quite the in-demand guy. And he was so passionate about leading that Philharmonic Orchestra that your boy dislocated his shoulder at an orchestra party. He was, he, was, he was doing, I mean, he was hyping them up. And the band dislocated his shoulder. It was the last time you had that kind of enthusiasm about something. Once we had two children for season and time, my dearest and first wife, Renee, who I love, <laughs> went back to college. And in going back to college, one of the prerequisites for the credit she needed was to have a PE class. And Renee has a super competitive streak, like I'm not gonna lose. And um, she had to take PE. We are married with children. She's in her mid-30s probably at this point. And whenever there was a competition, she would go so hard and she would come home to take care of her children and maybe her husband. Injured, limping, and sore nonstop. And I said, Renee, just don't go so hard. There were times when she was playing softball. She, she tried to sneak, as she called it, which is really stealing, and bit the dust and smacked her head on the base. And I said, honey, don't go so hard. And she said, I can't not go hard. When it's a time to go, I'm gonna go hard. Listen, you gotta have an enthusiastic outlook. The 
The Bible says in 1 John 4 and 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Psalm 27 and 1 says, the Lord is the strength of my life. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 37 says, for we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. A hostile world is gonna try to squash your enthusiasm and make you boring, but the best way to not be boring is just rejoice in the God of your salvation and have a good time. Somebody say yes. Ah! Somebody say yes. We're getting there. Those early believers maintain their enthusiasm because they look toward the future rather than the past. We are not gonna live in the past. Tradition is just peer pressure from old people. And I'm all about important traditions, but like marriage. But we can't honor previous generations by living in their museums. We must forge forward with the same faith and positivity they had in their own hearts. Do not be, I'm yelling now. Are you preaching with me? If, if I'm preaching, it's okay if I'm yelling, but if you're sitting there and I'm yelling, we gotta work this act together. Romans 12, 11 again says, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit. I don't need some kind of outside motivation. You can keep your plaques, you can keep your gifts, you can keep your raffle, you can keep your contest. I am sufficiently enthused about God wants to do in these dark days. Today I got after our dream team, as is my custom, because we were having a huddle and a bunch of people were hanging out in the back of the room. As God's man of faith and power, I stood up and said, this ends today, I love you. We are not going to be passive in our willingness to connect, right? So, you know, I'm not gonna spend the money that they spend on these NBA games to go, but I will spend $20 for a ticket right? I'll spend $20 for a ticket. But a $20 ticket gets you seats up in the nosebleed section. I think I got it here. This is, this is, this is okay, yeah. Uh, over, over Christmas break, I took the boys to an Orlando Magic game, and these are the $20 tickets I paid for, okay? And so you can't really see what's going on, right, at all. And so um, I was looking down, and there were a lot of seats down there available that had nobody in them. And so we went on a quest and began to just saunter around and walk around and we ended up being, next picture. So close. Y'all crop my picture. I, don't crop my pictures, people. Uh, this was me taking a picture of Bull Bull. You could see the man's underwear and I was gonna show you my amazing photo skills. They cropped it out because somebody's mature around here. But we ended up, next picture, we ended up in the seats. Now look at the woman's head, okay? Now look up and look to the left, and that's your boy. And then look over on the other side of her head, and there are my kids. Those are $20 tickets. We fought for the front seat at the concert, at the game, at the sporting event. But let me just pull it old school on you and say, when it comes to the kingdom of God, are we back row, lacking commitment, unconcerned, let somebody else do it? I'm shaking the church today. Jesus is real. He's setting people free. He's changing lives. And we don't need to be passive. Be bold, not boring. 
Don't just do it, do it with passion. We're having a meeting about the picture cropping after this session. (laughs) God has this parent-teacher conference in Revelation 2 that he wants us to look in on. I'm going to read it to you. Revelation 2 and 2. I know your works. I know your toil. And I know your patient endurance. All of that that looks like faithfulness, hear me, can steal our enthusiasm because it's just so daily. And how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. So you've been faithful, you've been consistent, and you've actually done my work in protecting the flock and pushing the evil out and bringing the good in. Everybody everybody following that? Okay. Verse three. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. You've become professional, you've become committed, but not enthusiastic. You've become somewhat professional, somewhat protective, and very boring. Verse five, remember therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. God saw a problem here. He said, I have this against you. You have lost your passion. You're faithful, but you have no passion. You're consistent, but you're not enthusiastic. Oh, you're doing it, but you're just doing it. Think about how far you've fallen. You know, you probably have to think about it because you haven't noticed it. Because the loss of passion is a natural process like carbon monoxide in a house. You can't smell it, but eventually it leads to you falling asleep and dying. You can succumb to that without even knowing about it, right? And God says, I don't want you there. It's dangerous territory. What does this look like when you lose this kind of passion? Let's talk about on your job. It's like, it's not I get to do it, it's I have to do it. It's not I get to do it, it is do I really need to do it? Or it's not, I get to do it, it's I don't do it anymore. And eventually all that kind of thinking leads you to the place where you say, well, maybe I just need a new job. We have an entire, hear me, an entire generation that thinks passion comes from change. Passion isn't the result of change. Married people, hear me, passion is the result of choice. I choose to be passionate. I choose to pump people up. I choose to encourage somebody. I choose to look for the good. I choose to find something I can compliment, somebody I can celebrate, something I can say is good. That is the essence of finding and maintaining that first love passion. And the church says, yeah. That was weak. And the church says, yeah. Man, I really need a new spouse. She's not good for me anymore. And so then you go find this chick and you do all the stuff for her that you haven't done for your wife in years. And she acts all hot and bothered by you because you're doing all this amazing stuff. I bet if you did all that stuff for the wife of your youth, she'd surprise you, playa. (laughs) 
Was that you, honey? Who was that? Okay, that's good. Because you're right, you're sitting right where Renee is. I'm like, honey, I proved to I don't know what you, I don't know what planet you're living on. Uh, do I need to bring your holy mind to remembrance? You don't need a new spouse. You don't need new friends. You don't need a new thing. You need a new passion. God says, if you lose your passion, I'll remove your lampstand. It's his way of saying, if you lose your passion, eventually you'll lose your place. And God says, the answer to that is repent, which is just stop that. I'm not going to do that. So I have learned, and I, I was sick for a long time, didn't have any energy, and just felt like trash, and prayed, asked God to help me, he's helping me. Um, but fathers... It means you laugh harder than what it really calls for. It means you act like you're enjoying something you may not be enjoying as much. It means you put your enthusiasm in a place that encourages others. And so make it a choice, not a feeling. I am going to lead with passion. I told somebody who was leading a large organization in the city, we were talking about the struggles and the, the difficulties, and I said, there have been times when I've stood in the mirror after I brushed my teeth in the morning before I went to work and I grabbed myself by the shirt and said to myself, you are going to be a passionate leader today. And, she's, and the person was like, yeah, that's right. And she called me, she's like, hey, I said, I'm gonna be a passionate leader today. And so you gotta change your mind. Your work is not just work, your work is your worship. Your marriage is not just your marriage, it's a ministry. Your kids are not just a responsibility, they're a great opportunity. And your friends aren't just there to entertain you, they're a force for the kingdom of God. Don't just do it, do it with passion. Be bold, not boring. Just have a good time. Remember the first time Renee and I kissed? Dear God in heaven. The first one was a little bit awkward and rushed and wasn't that great. I tried to kiss her in the laundry room of her parents' house. And it was awkward because our nose, my nose, I have never really kissed anybody passionately and I have a massive nose. And so I had to learn techniques to placement, nose placement. So I had to work on that. But we were sitting on the couch and I leaned over and kissed her. No, she, she, she leaned over and kissed me, obviously. And people... People, like she had all my focus and attention and when we kissed, it felt like literal electricity shot through my body and of course for her it was even more intense. <laughs> now we've been married for 25 years, almost now 25, 24, 25 years now. And I don't get that, but I get something much deeper. And when I give my focus to the relationship, you get the, it just brings, it brings the feeling back. I don't know how to describe it, but what I'm telling you is this. You don't have to have perfect strategy. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be tall, dark, and handsome. You don't have to, you don't have to have such great performance that everybody's in, impressed with you, but you do need some passion. If there's no passion, there's no power. So I grew up in a nine-member church, as I've told you. And in order to have church in a nine-member church, everybody has to do something. 
And so everybody was the dream team. And one of the things they did in my little nine-member church was they made me sing solos. And so everybody had their own songbook. I had my own little songbook. And I would come up in this church. And if you've never experienced church in a nine-member church building, let me explain what it was like. The pastor played the guitar. His daughter played the uh, piano. Somebody played the banjo in the front row. Another person sat in the front row. And we had one speaker and the sound person sat in front of the speaker and made adjustments. So we had one speaker that was the sound system. And then I played the drums and there were three people in the crowd. And they designed every service to get me saved because nobody else in there had sinned since their early 50s and they were well past that. And so they would make me sing. They would make me sing specials. And so I would get up and I would lead the church in a special song, okay? And, and there was a song that I, it was a compilation song. I would get up and sing this song first. I would sing, and just like this, do not join with me. Even though I know you could, don't just let me hang this out there on my own. <clears throat> I'd sing, I got the Holy Ghost down in my soul. Boom, 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 boom. Just like the Bible said, I got the Holy Ghost down in my soul. Just like the Bible said. And then you go to the bridge and I'd sing this song, okay? I sing, I got it, I got it. I got it, I got it. There's just something about the power of the Holy Ghost. I can't explain it, but I got it. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that's what I would do. And they'd make me sing, so I'd just get up there and do it and get off the stage. <clears throat> but then I was about 13 years old, 14 years old, and I went to a camp meeting. And God got a hold of my heart. And the Lord basically called me to ministry. I didn't know what was happening, but that was what was happening. Like I stayed in a place of prayer for hours, just, just in the closeness of the presence of God. And the Lord changed me. He anointed me. He did something different. And I went back to that little Nine River church, um, and I spent some time with my dad. So I'd been away, and I came back, and it was, of course, my time to sing a special. And I got up, and they started. They started putting that song out there, and it was time for me to sing. And I got up there, and I went... I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. There's just something about the Holy Ghost. I can't explain it, but I got it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sister Hazelgrove almost died. <laughs> the pastor's wife named Glenda stood up and went, The pastor who played his guitar, he just sat there cross-legged. He uncrossed his legs and stood up. And I began to sing that again, the second verse. And it goes like, I'm on side, it's not in my nose, but sometimes I shout, then again I run. I'll even talk in an unknown tongue. I feel good through and through. I got the Holy Ghost. And I said, what about you? Okay, okay. And the pastor's wife goes. <laughs> and my mother is so shocked that this lion, cussing, thieving child of hers is under the spout where the glory comes out. And there was a difference in going through the motions and giving God something that ties your heart to it. 
I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Jesus didn't kind of come. Jesus doesn't barely save. He didn't hardly sacrifice. He didn't partially resurrect. He gave his all for us. The blood that was shed on Calvary still works. The tomb is still empty. The gospel still changes lives. And we're bored. Awaken, church. The biggest way to not live that way is just celebrate the goodness of God. One of the big things that's happening today that puts you on the path to passion and puts you on the path to participation is Step Up Sunday. It's a commitment to take a next step. That step may be to show up, just to be a member of the church. It may be a commitment to grow up, which means saying yes to participating in the community of the church. Or it may be a commitment to step up, which is to live out the values of this house and live a life that serves others. In closing, leave this scripture with you. And I'm talking to a seasoned church. I'm talking to a heavily seasoned church. We're not quite spicy, but we're seasoned. Luke 14, 34, salt is good, but if salt has lost its flavor, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's a no use. This is life you've been living, the way you've been living it. It's just, it's that no use feeling either for the soil or for the, it's, it, it's no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. That's harsh. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. There's a contagious expression of passion needs to be loosed in God's house for the purpose of using your redemptive gift to be a bridge to bring somebody closer to Jesus. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like and subscribe. You can even share this on your social media. If you do, tag us at The Courageous Church and share what God is doing in your life. Always remember, God's calling you to be strong and very courageous in all that you do. I hope to see you soon. God bless.